The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. And um, We're also excited we're going through a series right now uh, about God's will for your life. And uh, what's been cool about the series, we're looking at little snapshots, little different parts uh, of how God reveals his will for your life. Um, he reveals his will in many different ways, and we, we looked at a few of them. The first one we looked at is through his word. Um, through the word, there are some very clear things about God's will for you and me. I know the plans I have for you. They're not to harm you. They're to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. God has plans, things the Bible says that are predestined for each of us and even good works for us to do. By God's design, he's already got a script written and it's up to you and I to discover it. And the more we discover it, the more we get in on the path that God has for us, the the road, the avenues, the will of God. And it's exciting to discover God's will. So the word of God reveals a lot of his will There's some general revelation and some very specific revelation. We also looked at, the Bible says that you were wonderfully and fearfully made. And that means with intention, God stitched things into your fabric, your DNA, in his creative order, in his his design, we are God's workmanship, his poem, his masterpiece, as it says in the Greek, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He He created things in us. He put things in us, literally talents and gifts and abilities. And we looked at that because if you look at what he put in your life that way, again, it starts to bring more clarity. If you're looking in a lens, it starts to bring a little more clarity to the picture of what God's doing in your life. And then last week, we looked at the spiritual gifts that he put in our lives, specifically spiritual gifts, which he was very intentional when he gave each believer. If you're a believer in the resurrected Jesus this morning, You have a spiritual gift, at least one. And last week's message, we looked at those gifts and what they are and why God gave them to you. And if if we start to realize what these are and start owning them and using them, we are on the pathway of walking in God's will. It's great. Today, we're looking at another component, another aspect. And this is the aspect of our past. Now, When we talk about past, some of you might be saying, you know, pastor, I don't really want to go there. I don't really care so much about my past. In fact, I've been trying real hard to forget about my past. Anybody have any things in the past they'd like to forget about? Of course. But I would suggest to you that God is doing a bigger picture. And I would suggest to you that your past is part of um, this process Places we've come and what we've been through and the redemptive power of the living God and what he's taken us out of that helps prepare us for where he has taken us. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. He doesn't author some of those things that happened in our life, but he certainly wants to leverage them all for his glory. And so when we look at the timeline of not only our lives, but people in the Bible, you will see this thing which is called trajectory. Would you say that with me? Trajectory? Trajectory. We have it for up here. Trajectory. Trajectory is, the, is, is, is when an object has motion and, and, and distance, and it's going in a pathway. It's the path and power of an object that's in movement. 
We see it all the time. Basketball players, they'll go up for a three-point, and the way they release that ball, there's a trajectory to that ball that's going to get it and make a three-point shot because of the trajectory. Baseball players, too, if they, if they lock in the right way with the right swing, the trajectory of that ball is going to take it out of the park. Golfers, the same way. When they get that swing down, the right trajectory, when that ball goes it launches. It completely launches. I would like to suggest that there's a trajectory in your life and in mine as well. And God wants us to recognize the trajectory. And the only way we can is sometimes looking at our past and not ignoring it. And so I would encourage you this morning to identify the trajectory of your life. I don't know if you've ever looked at it that way. I don't know if you've ever tried to connect any dots that way. But I would encourage you that if you and I are willing to connect the dots of the trajectory of your life, you will have a greater understanding of what God wants to do and how God wants to leverage all of these things uh, in our lives. And the Bible, by the way, is full of trajectory stories, full of stories of the trajectory of people's lives. They started here, they went through this, and circumstances and environments and people and ups and downs. But all of those things help develop this trajectory where God's like, watch what I'm going to do with all of that. I believe your life is the same way. I believe mine is as well. And so we're going to look at it from that, from that standpoint today. But there are so many in the Bible, people like you, people like me, who went through things that God developed this trajectory. And when we connect the dots, we get to see that trajectory. First one that comes to mind is Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was born and endowed by God with amazing gifts, amazing talents, and amazing plan. God's got this plan for Joseph. And God gives him this capacity to to understand dreams in a way that no one else can. It's an absolute gift. It's 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 a gift from God, straight from heaven, straight to Joseph. No one around him has. It's amazing. He's got a great future ahead of him. But there's a... There's a problem, and it's a big problem. You see, uh, his family was uh, incredibly dysfunctional. Stepmom, stepbrothers, you know, he, he had some situations in his upbringing that were not good. In fact, Joseph had brothers that flat out hated him. That'll mess with a plan. That'll mess with a trajectory, wouldn't it? Coming up in a family environment with something, that will mess with someone's trajectory, we would, we would think. This, God's giving gifts, but my goodness, you've got these brothers who absolutely hate you. In fact, the story goes on, and it says it in Genesis 37. You don't have to turn there, but let me summarize. They hate him so much, they actually plan to kill him, premeditated murder. That'll mess with a plan, won't it? That will mess with a trajectory. And so one brother says, I tell you what, guys, I get the idea of killing him. Okay, listen, um, I got a little different plan. Instead of killing him, why don't we just sell him off to a slave in a third world country for the rest of his life? How about that one? And they go, good idea. That's the plan. And this guy who is born with endowments of God's grace and giftedness and calling, God's not saying to these guys, I have a good idea. Beat him up. Put him in a ditch. Sell him off to a third. That's not, God's not saying that anywhere in Scripture. This is the sinful nature of the people around him that are jealous of him and turn around and sell him off as a slave to strangers 
to take them to a third world country and just drop them off and leave them out there, see what's going to happen. I mean, that's how we would view it. If somebody were to sell you or me off in slavery, it seems like it would wreck our entire future of any plan, of any kind of trajectory. But the amazing thing about God, the absolutely baffling thing about God's grace, his power, his sovereignty, his ways that are so much higher than ours as the heavens are above the earth. And uh, we, can't even, we can't even get our head around it. You know, theology, theology um, is, is, is the, ology is the science and study of, whether it's physiology, psychology, the science and study of. Theology is theos talking about God. It's the science and study of God. And I say A for effort. <laughs> A for effort in trying to study and acknowledge God. There are some things in Scripture that lay out His nature, His plan, His will. We got that part. But there's aspects of knowing and, and understanding the heart of God, and it, His ways are so far above ours as the heavens are above the earth, we can't get our head around the things of God. He's got things in store for us that no eye has seen, no heart has imagined, nor ear has heard what God has in store. We can't fully comprehend the magnitude of God's love, his power, his grace. We can't crack God's code. And in the story of Joseph, whose life is seemingly wrecked, sold off as a slave, shipped out to another country, uh, hated by his family, dysfunction, it seems like any hope in future that he might ever have with God's calling and God's plan, it would seem like to you and I that it is absolutely wrecked. Certainly seemed like that to Joseph's father. Joseph's father would have said, it's all over. That's what he believed. And that's what the brothers believed too. But God didn't believe that. God didn't believe that. God is so amazing what he can do with people and situations. And he turned this situation around through this whole mess, this whole mess, this whole train wreck. God took it and turn this whole thing around for his glory. And it says, and Joseph says it in his own words, in in Genesis 50, verse 20, you don't have to turn there, but we have it for up here. He says, when he finally sees his brothers face to face, he says, guys, what you meant was for evil, but God turned it around for good. What you meant for evil, and they did mean it for evil, which tells you God didn't author their evil. God does not author evil. The enemy authors evil, and the sinful nature of people carry out evil. But God doesn't author evil. You need to know that. God does not author evil. He never has and he never will. What you meant was evil against me. But God, God turned it around for the good. And here's why. And this is an important, you got to get this down or take notes on this. Here's why. In order to bring about this present result. There's a result here and now that never would have happened. It never would have been seen. It never would have been acknowledged. It never would have been appreciated. No one even would have even got a remote clue of what this present result is of God's glory had it not come from a train wreck. If there wasn't a train wreck of some kind, in some way, some shape, some form, some evil, some messed up thing, some some tragedy or whatever it may have been, something you didn't sign up for and you didn't ask for. If there wasn't something back there, then the story wouldn't go like this. He's like, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, bring about this present result. And I would suggest to you, if you and I look at the trajectory of our lives and start connecting dots, you and I will say, huh, I don't know about that stuff back there. I don't even want to think about some of that. 
And I don't know how in the world you could ever leverage any of this stuff, God. But if there is a way that you can turn all that around for the good so that you can bring about this present result, I would say, let's sign up for that one, amen? To bring about this present result of what God wants to do in his grace, his mercy, his love, his all-knowing understanding, and his true and perfect will, we have to trust that God wants to bring all of those things around. And so the first thing, if you're a note-taker today, is I think as believers, as sons of daughters of God, we have to come to terms with our past. I mean come to terms with it. Come to terms with our past. A lot of people say, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about it. I'm moving on. <laughs> I don't want to come to terms with my past. Or things in the past. I don't want to come to terms with them. I can't. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to go there. But I would suggest to you, even though evil may have been behind some things in your past, it's important to come to terms with them because if you do, you will say, the enemy meant it for harm, but God turned it around for the good to bring this present result. And I don't think we get to talk about and appreciate the present result unless we connect the dots. Does that make sense? There's a trajectory in the life of Joseph. There's trajectory in the life of people in the Bible. The Bible is full of trajectory stories. You and I are one. We are a trajectory story. There's something that's gone on and is going on, circumstances, things that have happened, and it starts connecting dots to a bigger picture where we get to see um, what God is doing because he's bringing it around to bring about this present result. Uh, What the enemy meant for harm, God will work for good in your life. He will work it for good. Um, There is no sin, there is no action, and there is no choice that is beyond God's redemptive power. Nothing, 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 including those things in the past past that we don't want to think about or talk about. Those are the things that God's saying, I'm bigger than all of that, and I'll leverage it all if you will let me turn this around for for the present result. The Bible even encourages us to remember. Uh, it says in Isaiah 51.1, um, one translation says, Forget not the quarry from which you were dug and the rock from which you were hewn. Forget not. Remember. Look back. Remember it. That we were dug from a rock quarry in some kind of way, some way, shape, or form, certainly in our own sin righteousness issue, but no matter what the deal is, this is where we come from in our own condition. And, and the word is saying, don't forget that we were on the bottom of a rock pile and God reached in with his powerful loving arm and pulled us out. And guess what? Don't forget the quarry, the stone quarry, the rock quarry that we were dug from and the, the actual rock that we were hewn from. As you start to chisel away and polish and make a diamond, you still got to cut away and cut away and start to shine. And there's a polishing method. And it's like, don't forget that although we're work for works in progress and that God is turning things around, don't forget, he wants to bring out a present result, but don't forget the quarry from which we were dug and the rock from which we were hewn because I believe God wants us to know there is a trajectory in place and he is t- leveraging anything that the enemy meant for harm and he wants to leverage it for good because that's his nature. Deuteronomy 6.12 says this, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. It's like, that's where we're from. Don't forget it. The Lord's the one who brought us from that train wreck. It's not like I'm going to ignore the train wreck. I don't want to know about that stuff. I want to forget about it. That's natural. But I'm saying in the spiritual, identify with the trajectory of the living God, knowing that he's sovereign and powerful, and he has a redemptive plan beyond 
anything, anything, everything. But the Bible is full of the trajectory stories. Moses was one. In fact, some people said, pun intended, but Moses was a basket case. They put him in a basket and sent him down the river. That's the way his life started. That is messed up. There's crocodiles in the Amazon River or the Nile River. That's messed up. He's in a basket floating down the river. That's not a good start. And then you would think, well, it gets good because at least he's in Pharaoh's household. That's a great start. Great things can happen from this. The only problem is he ends up murdering somebody and he's on the run for murder and he's wanted and he has to flee the country and everything is behind. His future is wrecked, wrecked. He's on the backside of some mountain shepherding stinky sheep for 40 years. There's no future in that. Or you would think, but God's like, oh, Moses, there's a trajectory in place here, my son. And if you weren't able to shepherd sheep, stinky sheep on the backside of a mountain somewhere, I wouldn't be able to use you in the biggest deliverance in the history of humanity to take my people out of Egypt across a land into a land of promise. There's a trajectory in place, even though we don't get it. Um, David, David is an amazing story. You know, (laughs) I was thinking of this the other day. David's out there in the field as a shepherd, which we think that's all fine. His older brothers are off at war. He's fighting lions and bears. What kind of parent puts their kid in a field with lions and bears? That's child endangerment. It is. He's out there with lions and bears. He's a kid. He can't go to war. He can barely run a, a bread delivery to the battle line. He's, he's little. He's out there with lions and bears. But if you can't deal with lions in your private life, you'll never be able to deal with giants in your public life. Amen? If you can't deal with the little lions in the private life, you can't deal with the giants in the public. And there's a trajectory of God that God saw and God developed and God used him. And you're like, I can connect those dots. I, I, I get it. He had a heart to protect. He had a heart to serve. He had a heart of worship. Yeah, I see these dots, and it goes on. He, later on, he's writing the book of Psalms, but it didn't start with book of Psalms. It started with a little kid with a genuine heart looking up at God's creation and saying, God, you are so good. It started there. And wait a second. Here comes a lion to take away what's yours that can't defend itself. No way. Not on my watch. And all of these things in his young heart were part of this trajectory of God developing him to who he developed him into. Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. He's making his living stealing, but stealing from his own people. And God says, I'm still going to have you in the transaction business. I'm going to redeem you. You're still in the transaction business, but instead of stealing from people, you are freely given away the kingdom of God. You will spend the rest of your life transacting with people. Freely you've been given, freely give. And so the Bible is full of these stories. If you have your Bible, if you turn to Romans 8.28, here's the one passage I just want to camp out on for a little bit that summarizes uh, this. Now, this passage right here has really uh, baffled theologians because it's hard to figure this out. It's hard to get our head fully around it. We can look at Scripture and say, I, I see what it says and I, I read it, but how do you fully uh, you know, wrap this whole thing up and, and land uh, because this passage is so profound? But at the same time that it's baffle theologians and they try to figure exactly the detail of what it would really look like in in, in a real life display, it's also assured, assured many, many believers. It's given many, many believers a peace and a a trust in God 
uh, because this is so true and it is so powerful. And it's something about God's nature that you got to know. you got to know this. Um, and this passage, many of you do know it. You, when, I, when we read it or put it up here on the, the screen, you'll say, yes, I, I've, I've heard that. I know that. But I want us to know this today because I sense the Lord is just calling us to really get this today. Um, and it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to qualify this because some people read that and says, God, everything is good and God allows everything, so everything is good. Isn't that what it says? Not even close. Not even close to that. The context, the context is key. When things are out of context, we we make these radical assumptions. The context is this. If you love God, and only you know that this morning, I trust you do, we're in his house to honor God, to worship God, to grow in the things of God. But if you love God, and if you are called according to his purpose, and that doesn't mean you got some calling to the mission field where you're out there and you're some professional, you know, missionary, like your life is, you know, you you went to go live. If you love God and you say, God, I know you are the king and I am not, and I know I'm called, you have purposes for me. I don't claim to know them all, but I do intend to get together with you and walk them out. If you love God and you sense that you're called according to his purpose, if that's your life, and that's really what lordship is, not just believing in Jesus, but saying, yeah, you're the Lord of my life. What, what would you have for me, God? If you love God and you're called according to his, pur- his purposes, then this is real and this is so true for you. And um, this is what it says for you if you love God and are called according to your pur- his purposes. There's a promise for you and a promise for me. In this promise, God will work out all these things. It doesn't say he authored all the things. Remember, the enemy meant it for harm, but God will do it for good to bring about this present result. But God will work, work all these things. God, the working of God. God will work all these things together and he's going to turn this and leverage this in a way. If we, if, we stay, if we love God and we're called according to his purpose, he's going to take all this stuff and he's going to leverage it for the good. Just like Joseph said, what the enemy meant for harm, God used it for good to bring this present result. There is a present result in your life and in mine that we haven't quite seen yet. We're on the way. We, we're seeing it now. But there's a bigger picture on the present result that God is developing us and, and the fruition and the process of sanctification and our life on display for God's glory. The present result hasn't fully al- arrived. Have you guys agreed that in your life the present result is not fully here yet? The present, it's not for me. I trust it's not for you that we're these works in progress, but God wants to turn it around to bring a present result. There's a present result in, in process that God is doing and all things will, he will work these things together because God is the one who can take all that stuff and work it together for good. Now, before it's time, sometimes it doesn't look good or seem good. I don't know if you've ever had somebody making a, a cake batter and they're whipping it up and you go, hey, there's some cool cake, you mind? And you put it in your mouth, you're like, whoa, that's nasty. It's not ready yet. You taste in the batter and it's not ready yet. And you think it's going to be good and you're like, ooh, that's not good. Not at all. Because it's not ready yet. It still needs some sugar. It still needs some this. And God is causing all this stuff to work together for the good. You and I sometimes look at it and go, I don't like it. I don't want to know about it. And God's like, no, I'm, I'm causing it together. Stay tuned. I'm 
putting it together, and I'm going to work it for the good. Now, here's two great words in this passage. I, I love the way this is broken down in Scripture. Um, God works. The word is energia, where we get our word energy from. God's energy. It's God's energy working these things together, right? It's God's energy doing it. He's active, and it's mighty, and God is proactive in this. And when it says that he works them together, uh, the word is synergia, where we get our word synergy. God is working in a way of synergy. There's a synergy in the heart of God, in the mind of God, in the power of God to take all this stuff. And what we think is a bad cake batter, God's like, uh-uh, I'm the master chef. I'm taking all this stuff and I'm working it proactively and I'm stirring it. And in my synergy and I'm putting this stuff together, I'm going to leverage it for the good and I'm going to bring out a present result. But this says, this expects us to work with God. If God is working these things together with synergy, it does expect that we acknowledge and go along with God on his process and not fight and not reject and not say, I don't know about my path. I think like uh, Joseph, we have to say, yeah, I didn't like getting thrown in a pit either. (laughs) I didn't like coming up in a dysfunctional family where they didn't like me and wanted me, preferred me dead. I don't like all those things. But whatever the enemy meant for harm, God used for good, and it is bringing out a present result. And that is somebody walking in their calling. That is somebody that God is raising up, not somebody who sometimes goes through things from the past and pulls over and actually will make excuses for the rest of the life why they can't ever be or why God can never use them or why they maybe feel like damaged goods in some way, shape, or form. Because you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through. And people will say this. I'm just telling you, that's not the heart of God. There is no saint in Scripture that got, that got a, a round of applause that says, well, you just don't know what I've been through. And they've been through way more messed up. Have any of us in this room getting, were hated by the family, thrown in the ditch and sold off slavery to a third world country? I didn't think so. He went on to become a prime minister and used for the glory of God. We have to come to terms with no matter what was back there. God wants to leverage it for, for the good. So maybe you've been through some, um, some tough times. Maybe there's things in your life. Um, maybe abuse. Things you didn't ask for. You didn't sign up for that. It was wrong. You had no power over it. It's wrong. Did God do it? No. God doesn't author evil. An evil one does it, and people make nat- uh, choices in sin nature Evil does things. This is not heaven. And a lot of people go, well, why does God even allow this stuff? God is not required on earth. This is not heaven. Sometimes people want heaven on earth, but don't even acknowledge God in the present. But they still want heaven on earth. They want God to bring a utopian society to earth when we're not in heaven. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You know, and, and, and we go through, we press on, and there's natures of the, uh, of the fallen ones and sin nature and God his power and angels through his people walking through this thing, uh, representing him. And there's stuff that happens in our life, but some of the things that happen, we're like, you know what? I, I didn't sign up for that. Maybe abuse, maybe addiction. Maybe where you've had a fight with for something, fight in a struggle in an area that most people around you can't identify with. What's up with that? How's that going to work for good? I didn't sign up for that. Maybe loss. Loss of loved ones, even at a young age, you're like, well, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't ask for that. I didn't want to go through that kind of mess. Forget not the quarry from which you were dug. 
the rock from which you were Maybe brokenness in some kind of way that is hard to quantify or explain. And it's easy to leave these stories back there like, hey, I ain't going there. What am I going to go there for? There's no benefit. I would suggest to you what the enemy meant for harm, God will use for good to bring about a present result. I trust that Romans 8.28 says, if you love God, if you're called according to his purpose, God is going to work these things together. If you're tasting the batter right now and you don't like the flavor yet, stay tuned. God is still doing a work. He's bringing out a present result in these things. Um, and so I don't know, you know, when you think about these things, what you're, how you um, process them, but I would suggest to you, as God is building a trajectory in your life, since it's God working these things together and he's taken all the events and he's doing it together, I suggest that we work together also with God and not reject and blow off and ignore. Um, the second point this morning is allow God. Allow God to leverage your past for his glory. Allow him to leverage your past. Listen, there's, this is part of God's will for your life. There are parts of your story in your past that most people don't share, but there are others that do. And guess what? They're stuck. They're still back in Egypt. They're still in a pit somewhere. Someone sold them into slavery. They're still in a pit. Or they're still in a third world country, spiritually speaking, stuck. Who's going to help them? How will they know unless someone goes? Blessed are the feet that carry the gospel. Someone's got to tell somebody. And as long as you and I go, I'm talking about that. That's messed up. I go in there. They're still stuck and they're still in a pit because you and I aren't coming alongside them and helping them and saying, hey, you know what? I've been in that pit. Can I just tell you? What the, stop making excuses and don't stay there for the rest of your life. God's got a hope and a future. You, down there in the pit, look up. Look up. Grab this hand. The kingdom is that way. What the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good. That is part of God's calling in your life. And as you and I are starting to unpack what is God's will and what does it look like and you know, we look to the word of God and we've got general and specific revelation. We look to our natural gifts and talents that God has an expectation and an accountability for what he gave us. There will be an accounting giving, given. And so these matter a lot monumentally when it comes to God's will. We look at spiritual gifts, which he gave every believer as an endowment of his grace for his purpose. So there'd be a display of whatever God put in you. He expects to come out of you. But then even this past thing that we don't really have a category for that, I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever the enemy meant for harm, God wants to use it for the good. And this is, becomes part of a trajectory in, in your life. I believe that God wants to bring out this new result. And, and, and if you will partner with God, uh, the synergy of God's energy, if we will work with God, um, he will allow us to use these stories to help other people. You know, the end of the Bible, and many of you have read it, Revelation, it tells how the whole story wraps up. If you want to hurry up and get to the end and see how it, how it finishes, uh, it ends like this. We overcame him, the devil. We overcame crushed, slammed out by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah for that, Jesus. Paid for the sins of the world in one profound sacrifice that we receive by faith, by, by grace through faith. We can't earn by. Hallelujah for the blood of Jesus, his atonement. We overcame that way, which was a monumental event. And every day, people get in on this sacrifice. Every day, people around the world go, yep, I get it. The cross, what he did, I get it. I want that, yes. And people get in, and the devil's like, oops, I lost that one. Oops, I lost that one. Oops, I lost that one. We overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. 
And the devil doesn't want you sharing your story because he knows you have the power to help liberate people. It's God doing it, but God working with you. And he's worked in tandem with people all throughout scripture. It's a story, God's love story of working through people like you and I who also have random backgrounds of every kind. And some of the stories aren't that great, to be honest with you. You got stories like Joseph that there's no category for that kind of stuff. And yet God's saying, I'll take that and I'll leverage it all for a current result if you'll work with me on it. And so um, you have to allow God to leverage your past for his glory. You know, another example of that is, um, is the Apostle Paul. You know, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus and he was one bad dude. He was a bad, mean character. This is a guy that should not want to share his story. He, he used to go around looking for Christians to find them, to beat them up, to lock them up, men, women, and children, people getting thrown in jail. This is his past. God wakes him up one day and he goes, wow, I once was blind, but now I see. I'm following you, Jesus. I had no idea how off I was. The Bible says without the spirit of God, you cannot discern the things of God. Paul had a lot of knowledge and a lot of zeal. He did not have the spirit of God. He was clueless to God's plan. And when God woke him up, he's like, wow, I messed up big time. God's like, it's okay. What the enemy meant for harm, I'm going to use for good. I'm going to bring about a present result. All things will work together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. God's like, I'm going to do a new work in your life. Now, if you were Paul, even with that radical transformation story, you still would not want to share your story. Oh, yeah, hey, so what's up, church? I'm the guy who killed uh, people you know. (laughs) I'm the guy who chased people down and threw them in jail. You, You cool with me? Can we have a meal together? People are like, I don't want to know you. And people didn't even want to meet him because that's his story. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to share that story. I'm going to tell you how messed up I was because the grace of God intervened in my life and turned me around. I was blind, I see. I'm not going to run away from the story. I'm not going to deny the story. That's who I was. But I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I'm living proof of it now. And God will leverage all of those things. Even Paul's life has a trajectory to it. He was a Pharisee. He can sit down with these religious zealots and talk shop. He can debate on a whole different level because that's his world. That's his wheelhouse. So even after coming to faith and being filled with the Spirit, he's like, the first thing I'm doing when I go to town, I'm rolling right into every synagogue I find. And we're going to, let's, let's throw down. Let's talk about the kingdom, what it is and what it's not. And let me tell you something. I know where I was and I know where I am now because it's, the Messiah came and I'm going to explain to you how he did and why he did. And I missed it. And you guys are missing it. And he would share this in every town he went to. Why? Because there's a trajectory in his life. And he's not disconnecting his past from what God is trying to bring about. Does that make sense? God is trying to bring about a greater thing. And that is the point. Uh, That is the point. Um, It says in this, it says that we we know all things work together. We know. Paul's crew, the people he's ministering with, He's like, we know it. We know, we know, we know, we know. We don't think, we don't hope. We, we, it's not like, well, I heard. He's like, we know it. And when he's saying we know it, I think what's presented here is we know it. <laughs> Do you know it? We know it. We know God works all things. We know it. Do you know it? Do you know it? Because I think we need to know this. If you and I don't know this, 
the, the very next time we hit a speed bump, even maybe today or this afternoon or next year or next week or next month or whenever, we too are going to stop and pull over and go, I can't figure this stuff out. This is messed up. And we're going to stop moving forward in the traje- tra- trajectory that God has for our life because we can't get our head around something. You've got to know. You've got to know that you know that all things work. If you love God and are called according to his purposes, all things work together. You've got to know that. You've got to know that. Paul's like, we know it. Do you know it? And he says, not some things. Not some things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. And that's, that's a hard one. What do you mean all things? Come on. There's no way God can take all things. Again, it doesn't say God authors all things and calls them good. No, no, no. That's way out of context. Every mess and anything the enemy meant for harm, anything that came your way, anything you went through, happenstance, tr- a trial, a- any situation, any, any abuse, any pain, any rejection, any hurt, anything you went through or even will go through, God will leverage it all and work it together as that master chef making the cake. Don't taste it too early because <laughs> it's going to work together for the good and it's going to be good and it's going to bring out a present result. And there'll be a fragrant aroma and people go, whatever that is, it's legit and it's real. What is it? Oh, God's just, I let God work it all together for the good. I'm not fighting him on this. I'm going with God. He's bringing about a present result. It's not because of me. It's in spite of me. But I'm going to go with God on this one. All things work together for the good. And there's the beauty of the trajectory of God all throughout Scripture and in your life and in my life too. And it is hard sometimes when you think, how can all things, Pastor? I'm still stuck on that. I'm not buying it. I don't, I'm not. Let God be true and every man a liar. The word is true on this thing. And, and I agree. I, I've had stuff in my life where I, I don't get that. You know, I got a seven and a half year old son who I love dearly, but he still doesn't walk. I still pick him up and carry him places. I, I still do things. I get on my face and I cry out to God and God do something. We've seen God do other things and miracles around in other ways that were like, hallelujah, God, you moved and defied science here, but why not here, God? Why not here yet? And crying out to God and, and having moments in the middle of night going, what is the good here, God? What about this good? How can all things work together in this good? And I'm telling you, it has brought us to our knees and to our face in a way that we've never even acknowledged before. And it's caused God to do a work in us and through our son who gives life to everyone he talks to and looks at and and his smile makes other people smile and he's got more joy than anyone in the house. He's just amazing. And it's like, I don't know God's master plan, but I'm not gonna stop and pull over in the meantime until God does things on my timeline and make it good now, God. And if you don't make it good now, I'm pulling over and I'm gonna have an excuse like other people going, why this and why that? No, God, I know now all things work together for the good. I don't have to understand it to know it. And you don't have to understand it either. And if you think you have to understand it to know it, you're never gonna fully understand understand the ways of God. No one does. No one fully under, his ways are higher than ours, or the heavens are above you. You cannot crack all the details of God's codes. He's the all-knowing one and will never be. You have to know that all things work together, even though you can't understand. And when you can rest in that, life gets a whole lot better because you can trust in this trajectory of God. You can trust him on the trajectory. You don't fight him. 
You trust him because you know he's working all things together for the good. And whatever the enemy meant for harm, he's going to use for good to bring about a present result. This is important. Um, As closing as the worship team comes up, and that's the last point, by the way, is all things means all things, even if you don't understand it. All things means all things, even if you don't understand it. So your story has a trajectory, just like all these people in the Bible. There's a trajectory to your story. It's like that golf ball that was hit. It's like that shooting star. It's a, it's, it, it, there's a trajectory. No matter what it went through, there, there's a direction. There's a pull. There's a momentum of, a, of just like objects. And, and, and God's got a spiritual trajectory in our life that we're trying to identify. And I don't know what I've been through. How are you going to use that, God? Trust that he will work these things uh, together. Um, I would encourage you to ask God to help you connect the dots. Ask God to help you connect the dots because you're like, I don't understand how this or this. I don't claim to know either. None of us are the all-knowing one. He is. Ask God to help you connect the dots. Um, But it is God's will for you to leverage everything for his glory. Leverage everything for his glory, including the past and the part that we leave out. Leverage it offers. Ask him how you're going to do that. But I believe it's the heart of God uh, to leverage everything. The last two scriptures, quite simply, are this. Philippians says this. As God's working things these out and we're not, we haven't arrived yet, it says in Philippians 1.6, He who has begun a good work in you, he, the mighty king, the king of the universe, creator, God almighty, he who began a good work in you will, will, will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus, meaning he ain't done with any of us yet. We are these works in progress. He's going to work them all together for the good. God will complete what he started. Um, And Philippians 3.12 says, you know, guys, I admit, and this is Paul who's done everything from washing feet and raising the dead and writing a third of the New Testament. He goes, guys, I don't claim that I've already obtained everything that God's going to do. I'm not claiming to be that one either. I'm not the all-knowing one, how God works, but I do know it. Not that I've already attained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal. He's at the end of his life. He's like, I'm still not saying I've arrived. Okay, no one's arrived. I haven't obtained, I haven't arrived, but I do know this. I do know this. I press on towards the, uh, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to understand it all. But I am going to take hold of that for the very reason he took hold of me. I am going to trust that he's going to use everything for his glory if I let him. I will understand the trajectory. I will connect the dots and say, however you want to leverage it, God, I'm good with it. And when you're willing to do that, you're going to start walking in a greater definition and a greater trajectory. You're going to have greater momentum when you're in God's trajectory and you don't fight and you just work with God on that. So I just want to pray that God seals some of these things in our heart. But I do believe when we talk about God's will, he wanted us to know today, if your heart is downcast, He's saying, look up. He's saying, look up. Let your heart not be troubled. Peace be with you. Shalom. You know, look up. Because trajectory is this way. It's not this way. And if we're looking down and we pull over and we're stopped and we're trying to figure things out and we're bummed out about these, these little mishaps in life, he's like, hey, listen, you always have trouble, tribulation. Look at me. Press on. Keep your eyes on the prize, the author and perfecter of your faith. The trajectory is this way. Come to me. And so I want to close in prayer on that note. I want to ask God to seal some things in our heart this morning. Mighty God, we love you and we thank you for your word and we thank you for the power of it. Um, I just pray this morning, God, if there's um, any Lord who've uh, hit a, 
uh, road uh, speed bumps in the past that have been uh, potholes or hurtful or just baffling or can't figure out whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's circumstance beyond our control, pain, anything it might be that we're like, why God, why me? I pray that today would be the day of liberation, um, that literally there'd be an Independence Day. Hallelujah for that. Independence Day, as you were sharing with our leaders this weekend, uh, Independence Day from any of the things that would hinder us from the fullness that you have for our life. I pray there'd be an independence from that. But I also pray that, pray that you would begin in a new, intentional way, use all these things together for the good, that we know that you put them together, uh, you, you can take them all, and, and you could make it all work for the good. I pray that we would work with you on that. We will work with you and be in synergy with your Holy Spirit and say, whatever you want to do, God, use it for your good. I believe it's a new dimension of your will for our lives. I believe you have a lot of future that involves this. And I just pray today would be the day that there would be an awakening of this in the name of Jesus. And uh, Lord, I just also want to pray this passage applies for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And Lord, I know there are Maybe some who says, yeah, I, I, I love you, God. I'm learning to love you. I don't really know you all the way, but I'm willing to. I, I sense today is the day that you're saying, commit to me from this day forward. You're looking for a day of commitment. You're, you're not just the God we touch and go with and check in on. You're the Lord of creation and you're the lover of our soul. And so I just pray today, Lord, with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, if there's any this morning and you sense the living God knocking on your heart saying, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you'll open the door, I will come in. I will come in and I will never leave or forsake you, you say. Lord, I thank you for that. I just want to pray. Any of God's stern on your heart, if you'd raise your hand, I just want to agree with you in prayer this morning. If anyone needs to take that time or that day of commitment, hallelujah, hallelujah. Anybody else where you sense the living God saying, it's time for traction. It's time to start walking with me. Amen. Anybody else this morning? That is sensing God saying, it's time. Step in. Hallelujah. Anybody else this morning? That God, this matters more than anything in the universe. Hallelujah, Jesus. Anybody else are you sensing, I'm ready, God. I'm, 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 I'm wholly yours. I'm not kicking the tires, walking around this. I am jumping in. You're the lover of my soul. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. For those who have said that, Lord, I just pray that you would seal the radical truth in their heart, that you are the lover of their soul. And Lord God, that you will never leave or forsake those who let you in. Lord, we turn to follow you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You paid a price we can never pay on our own. We receive it by faith and we thank you. Show us how to walk with you and get traction in the name of Jesus. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.